0: Middle of the pack. Real discussions for the middle of the pack by the middle of the pack. We'll talk about training and racing, but we're here to deep dive into the life topics of the weekend warriors and obstacle course racing enthusiasts. Obstacle course racing isn't just a sport, it's a lifestyle. We are
1: and welcome the, middle, to of the middle of the pack podcast. Guys, it has been a hell of a long time, and I am excited to be back. My name is Maggie B. ATC. I am the OCR trainer, and today I am joined by one of you guys, a fellow listener. Brian, go ahead, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit
2: about who you are, where you're from, and your experience with obstacle course racing.
3: Hey, cool, Meg. Thanks for having me on. I'm really
0: kind of excited. Uh, My name is Brian Lynch. I am definitely middle of the pack. Uh, uh, My handle on Instagram is lynch-bmx-oCR. I came from 30 years of BMX racing. Uh, Almost broke my neck. My wife said, you know, you should try something else. So I tried OCR and 11 years ago. I started running OCR, and I've loved it ever since. Haven't looked back at bikes. i Actually sold a lot of stuff. And uh, here I am. So, yeah, I live in uh, Eastern Pennsylvania, Nazareth, Pennsylvania.
1: Well, um, Brian, we are so happy to have you on with us today. Thank you for joining us. And we're so happy that you are still continuing to love this sport, even after, wow, 11 years.
3: So you got into it right at the beginning of it all. Yeah, yeah, it was funny. I had... I injured myself pretty bad
0: at a BMX injury, injury. BMX injury, there you go. And one day I was at my son's lacrosse game, and one of the other dads comes up, and he looked like he just got wrecked. And, like, you know, what happened to you? He goes, dude, I was in the greatest thing I've ever been in. There was this thing called the tough mutter. And I'm like, yeah. He goes, I ran like 12 miles, and we jumped over over barriers and went under barbed wire and they shot a, a snow gun at us and it was it was incredible and there was beer at the end and there was mud and oh yeah we got electrocuted and I'm like that's nuts he goes you gotta try it this was the greatest thing I ever did and his wife was pumped up about it and I'm like well hey dude I don't run he goes I'll get you running and by the time the next one comes around you'll be ready so about uh six seven months later Tough Mudder had tri-state at English Town and I did that one. I did one that was kind of a little hokier, if you guys remember. uh, Men's Health Magazine put on something called the Urban Athlon, and that was held at, uh, actually right where they have the City Field, the Spartan City Field race, but they had it actually through the uh, park that's next to it, and it snowed, like really bad. It was a uh, weird nor'easter that came up through New York City that weekend, and there was a foot of snow by the end of the race, and it kind of Kind of went away after that. And then two weeks later, I did the uh, Tough Motor Tri-State. And that was probably one of the most awesome experiences in my life. And I'm like, I'm hooked on this. This is awesome. And uh, I've hit probably about 70-plus Spartans and a ton of other races throughout the last 11 years. And I just, it's just awesome. It just keeps me safe. I'm 49 years old. So I'm not, like some young buck out there, but probably have one of the hardest age reasons. Going right now I absolutely the love here, that. There's not a lot of people that are control. still hanging around this from the
1: early, early enough. days of Tough Mudder. I always associate Tough Mudder with being a fundraiser for the Wounded Warrior Project, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's ironic that you mention it because the race we're talking about today actually started about 10 years ago
3: as a fundraiser. Yeah, that was Indian Mud Run. They, they're doing a lot for uh, fundraising, much like a lot of other races. Exactly. But this
0: one, this one's a lot more special I think than uh, any other race. Of everything
1: that. that people know about Indian Mud Run and just the amazingness that is Indian Mud Run, most people, I, I don't want to say most, because I think a lot of people who are familiar with Indian Mud Run, they do recognize that it is a fundraiser. but people that are still coming into this sport or people that haven't had the experience of Indian Mud Run might not realize the extent in which Indian Mud Run is a fundraiser. So Indian Mud Run started as a, obviously, a fundraiser for the Coshocton Parks and Rec Department. And over these 10 or so years, QB has kept it as a fundraiser. So all of the proceeds that go to Indian Mud Run go directly to the Parks and Rec Department. And he has had cooperation with the Coshocton Parks and Rec Department to put on this race to kind of have the liberty to do what he pleases. And the race has grown exponentially throughout the years. So, Brian, tell me tell me a little bit more
2: about your experiences with Indian Mud Run.
3: Yeah, so the past couple of years, uh, of, we have a really good group here uh, of racers
0: where I'm at, Lehigh Valley, and uh, that consists of like pretty much eastern Pennsylvania, and one of the guys here, Danny Cabrera, like the past couple of years, he goes, oh, this is an awesome race, awesome race, and of course, you know, if you've been around long enough, you've seen it, and you've probably followed it on Instagram, and you, you maybe didn't pay attention to it because a lot of the times, um, you know, for, for me, it's about a seven-hour ride out to Ohio, and uh, so I'm on the eastern side of Pennsylvania, right, like pretty much right by New Jersey. But so it, it kind of was like a little bit out of the way. But then I started hearing like over the past couple of years, like how great it was, how great it was. And then uh, Danny Cabrera, who is uh, a legend in the sport here, he uh, goes to me and he says, dude, you got to go. You just got to go. It's one of the most awesome races. The last year was my first uh, year there. I said, all right, I'm going to suck it up. Uh, I'm going to go out there, take the ride out there, take a day off from work, maybe two days off from work and go out. And I did. And it was just, uh, it, it, you know, every OCR race is special, but this one just holds something different. And then after that race, I just never felt that kind of experience, That, that just how great I felt. I mean, I've been to the world in Canada, North American champions, the world in Vermont, Some of the bigger Spartan races and Mudders and everything else. But this one, at the end of the race, the way the community is, the way the people are, the way they run it, everybody who was there, it just made it like, wow, this is is awesome. There's something special about this race. So after last year doing it, I was like, there is no way I'm missing it this year. So this year, again, packed up the truck, went out, got a hotel room, and was like, good, I'm here. And it was just, this was my A race. I know. You've talked about saying, Oh, what's your A race of the year? This is my A plus 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 race of the year. I honestly I mean, I don't could even not agree more. And I actually is. had that conversation it's, with a couple me, of
1: people from, you know, Battle of the Lions, Race Ready Obstacles. Mm-hmm. I told them every year Indian Mud Run is the priority race. This is the only race yeah. I plan on my schedule, knowing full well this is going to be harder than obstacle course racing world championships. And this year,
3: they outdid themselves with it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, this is funny. Like you said, this was the actual only race I truly
0: planned out. Like, um, where I live and kind of like where you live in the Boston area, you can hit a lot of races pretty quickly. And, you know, even if it's, like, almost like a last minute within a week of the race, you could sign up and you'll be fine for it. But with this race, it's like – I seriously planned out everything between uh, the, the travel, the, the hotels, getting there, taking time off of work, into nutrition, to cutting a little bit of weight because I knew just hanging from all those obstacles, a little bit of weight goes a long way. Everything for this race. I mean, I did a bunch of races earlier in the year, and I was just like, eh, okay, I'll just go. Definitely, this, this was, was
2: like the only planning. race and I had. How signed
3: you know? Up at least for that's how I knew that going it was into a, this a great year. Event for me.
1: This was the only priority that I had and when it turned out that I was going over to New Zealand I had found out that I initially could potentially be back the week of Indian Mud Run so I had tickets to fly back on the 23rd get in on the 24th the race was the 25th and I remember talking to Corey our former co-host and he was saying you know no matter what, I am going to get home, get in the car, and drive to Indian Mud Run. I'm like, you and me both. I didn't have any lodging planned. I didn't have any transportation to get out there. I'm like, you know, if I need to get in, drop my stuff off at my apartment, go right back to the airport and fly out, like, it's what I'll do. Uh, but it turned out that I was able to fly back a little earlier, got acclimated to the time zone a little bit better, and then I actually called the Coshocton Park, so Lake Park, where the race happens. Mm-hmm. They also offer camping. I called them, wasn't able to get through, but I was at, um so I sent them a Facebook message and said, hey, I've been trying to call. I'm coming out with my truck tent. I don't need a camping site. Um, I literally just need to you know, have a spot in a parking lot where I can set up my truck Hmm. tent. I'll pay the fee for a campsite. But if somebody needs that campsite, like don't waste it on me. They're like, oh, we have an electric campsite available. And they're like, we actually just got this cancellation. So I paid right there on the spot, said, yes, I'll take it. And I was able to camp out right there at Lake Park. Um, with like a week's notice so I drove the 12 hours from Boston by myself camped out I did end up uh, letting another couple from Foro also use the space because you could have two Mm -hmm. tents on the camping space and I'm like I have a little tent you know a little gas grill cook stove thing like I don't need this full electric site if somebody else wants to come on and share it with me by all means they can. So wow. I offered it, they accepted. So I wasn't alone, but yeah, it was a very peaceful and therapeutic trip out. I will always say that that pilgrimage out to Kashakton is like none other. It's exactly what this sport needs. Yeah. You just rediscover the authenticity
2: of obstacle course racing.
3: Mm-hmm. oh absolutely from it, it's a full
0: experience because like i, I would have if it was a problem i would have i would have gone out there if everything was booked i'm not a real camping person but i would have had no problem sleeping in the back of my truck and just going there just to be there i've slept in trucks before at bmx national events and, and done amazing <laughs> i could do it again of course i was a lot younger then but yeah i would have had no problem doing uh doing whatever to be at this race. And I know you see people did, like you, and, and you see a lot of the people. And I thought one of the great things, the camping, like right across the street from the race, I mean, it's a short walk up that hill, and you're right there. And I think if everybody in OCR could take one huge hint from Indian Motor Under the camping. You could find a way to get people to camp on site. And it's funny that have you so say, you know, other event. race be brands like should festival, kind of real learn from the camping atmosphere. on
1: site. Because actually, Sam at Savage did ask, what can Savage do? They, right now, have only been able to have one-day events with the exception of Florida. What are ways to pull more people? You know, what are ways to expand their race weekend? And I know a lot of people talked about, you know, expand the parties, whatever else. I said on-site camping. Give us some on-site camping Saturday into Sunday and then, you know, have the Blitz on a Sunday. And, you know, the only thing that's really missing from Indian Mud Run is, like, a massive bonfire.
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
1: If you could get, like, local vendors (laughs) to set up by, like, a nice bonfire with the camping all around and, you know, whatever else. Like, that would be clutch. I know that they had, you know, local restaurants or whatever else. But I honestly think with this being a fundraiser, I think it would have been awesome if they would have had, you know, the youth little league out there, you know, cooking hot dogs or, you know, utilizing all of their sports teams that use the park and rec department and hang up a bake sale or have them you know, selling waters and Gatorades. I think that's really
2: the only thing missing from this whole fundraising experience for the race.
3: Yeah, you see that a little bit at some races, depending on what kind of
0: race it is and where it's at, like they'll try to bring in the community or some kind of some community organization to help out, like like sometimes the Boy Scouts to the fire department and what uh, Bone Frog was doing with uh, local recruiters to the Navy and the other military branches where they bring in the younger guys and gals that would be, you know, that are already enlisted and ready to go. So, hey, you got to volunteer for this race and you have future men and women of the military sitting there as volunteers and stuff. I mean, it, it's good like that. And then even like sometimes the food trucks or whatever, the local food trucks uh, come in and like you said, like have a boy, have like the Cub Scouts or Boy Scouts sell hot dogs or you know, do something like that. I mean, the people who were there at Indy Mudra, the food, the line for the, 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 the people, I forgot their names. They were right next to Woolly Pig. But there was, there was that line never, like, got short. There was never a shortage of food. They had plenty of food. Their food was awesome. Everybody was hanging out there. There was another food truck out in the parking lot a little bit that was awesome as well. I mean, these are the people who are locals and stuff. And geographically, Stockton is nowhere near anything. So, I mean, this is really, you know, this is really a local effort for, this, for Hubie and his crew to do. And, and that's what kind of made it awesome, too, because there was no corporate brands coming in and trying to muscle you year It was all local. And, you know, I, I don't know exactly what had happened with Hubie and Shockton, but it's, it's a shame that I guess he might not be getting the support he needs anymore from them. Uh, but, yeah, otherwise, I think it's it, 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 just one-off event could be a real standard for what other, even bigger companies like Barton Savage can do to make even their product better. Even from the first you time know, what I ran you, weather,
3: you know, Get to I was feel there, I knew
1: a few people, but I was still kind of lost. Like I was the girl that pretty much only ran Spartan. I, I, I'm I, from Boston. I'm not from the Midwest, so I don't really know anybody. I you know, stood there. I was in the pro heat when they were asking, you know, age group women to step up into pro because they only had three pros. And, you know, I didn't know what to expect. And I remember going out and starting to run. And first, they did. And I don't know if they still do because they've switched they've mm-hmm. now given everybody volunteer shirts and whatever else but the first year that i ran indian mud run they had their rotc out there manning every single obstacle and it was very well known this is kashokton rotc uh there was you know kashokton oh, nice. volunteers left and right this was awesome. very much community volunteers and it, it was just so incredible to see and then i get running and I did have an issue with the ninja rings and I've told this story before where, you know, there was a change in the rules between the year prior and the year that I was running. It was particularly because the obstacle is from nuclear races in the UK and I don't know the exact, how it all went down. But something along the lines of Hubie had seen the obstacle and asked them if he could build it here. And they said, yeah, that's fine. So he built it and he just assumed the rules. And then we went over to nuclear races for OCRWC. And they saw that instead of using just one side of the ninja rings, you could use both sides. So the rules had somehow changed so the volunteers did not know or it wasn't properly communicated that the rules had changed so we were told that you had to end on the finishing bar or you know land Uh, both rings on the last hooks whatever but it turns out you only needed to place one hook on the or one ring on the last hook not two and you had to maintain control so I went up I went down I hit it and my it's always ridiculously hot and humid there my hands were sweating mm-hmm. i slipped off the ring as soon as i placed it on the one didn't get the second one placed and the volunteer was like oh you were so close i'm like okay that's fine like i'll keep retrying so i retried for a little bit my hands are sweating so bad slipping off these <laughs> slick rings and then another guy comes through he does what I did, but he dropped off as soon as he hooked it. And she's like, oh, you failed because he was running off. And he's like, what? No, I didn't. And she's like, well, yeah, you you have to place. And and somebody ran and got Hubie. And Hubie's like, oh, no, they just need to place on the last ring and maintain control. It doesn't have to be both rings. So we, yeah, so we both dropped the rings right there and took off running. I had wasted so much time. Um, and then we're running, and again, it's hot and humid. I get to Gibbons, which is another one that if if it's hot and humid out, you're in control of the dowels. So if the dowels are absorbing all that water, you're going to slide off. So I got it on my first try, but my hands started tearing there. Yeah. And I kept going. I, like, one-shotted everything until I got to Skull Valley. And if You're not familiar with where Skull Valley is in relation to this race, because obviously if you Mm -hmm. haven't been there, you haven't seen it. Skull Valley is close to the festival area, but it's a little bit of a hike. You have to go around the pond, but it's one of the first big finishing obstacles. So there was a very large crowd at Skull Valley. I come through and I'm trying and trying and... I'm just sliding off the skulls, one from the bell, and I'm just a little too short to hit the bell. I can't get enough swing because my hands are so sweaty, and I'm just like overgripping everything. So I keep retrying, and I end up losing literally all of the calluses from my hands. Both of my hands are bloody, callus-free, I can't grip anything, you know, I have people taping up my hands, I have people offering me their gloves, and it's 15 minutes until the time cut off, Jacob Bosecker's there, and oh, he comes great. up to me, he gives me a hug, he says, hey, like, this is your only fail today, you can fail up to five obstacles, It's like, you have to get moving, or you're gonna miss the time cut off, so I, like, begrudgingly, you know took my check mark and I ran off crying and I one shot at everything. And I finished right at like four hours and 29 minutes. And, um, I didn't finish last because of the five fails. So with Indian mud run, you can fail up to five obstacles, but then they rank you based on how many fails you have in your time. So somebody with, you know, zero fails, but four and a half hours, will rank higher than somebody with one fail and two hours
3: and so on and so forth up to five fails. That's one of the cool things I think that Indian Mud Run does is the way they set that up. So if
0: you don't have any fails, you're I at the top of the list. More. And, and then that when is you one fail, of the big one, reasons why when I it keep starts coming dropping. back. And I think, I-
1: this is exactly how the sport needs to yep. work obstacle yep. completion because there is too much of a all or nothing particularly as we're in this crossroads of we want to see harder obstacles but we also want to welcome new racers who might not have any knowledge in this and where is that balance between difficulty and Being welcoming. And I think the way Indian Mudrun sets it up is perfect. And they do something a little similar. They did it for the European Championship a couple weeks ago, where they gave three bands to each competitor. And you could fail up to two obstacles, but you couldn't multiple attempt a lot of them. So it was one and done. And if you failed it, you lost your band. And as long
2: as you crossed the finish line with one band, then you would still be considered a finisher.
3: Yeah, I thought that was a really cool idea. That was different. I, I When I read the rules for that,
0: I saw the rules for that. I was like, that's kind of interesting. I actually had to read it twice. So I wait, wait, hold on. Let me let me get this straight in my head. But once I got it, I was like, that's really good. I even like the fact that they put the, uh, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I don't know about your bid, but my bid kind of started to disintegrate halfway through the race, but they had, they had the barcode on it, and I remember last year uh, I cleaned up, and this year, both years I've done 100% completion, uh, but I saw guys didn't like, I thought that was a great idea, too, where they had the barcode on the bib, and it was like, ah, oh, you automatically knew where you were. So um, the only place I didn't see a lot of guys doing the barcode was uh, was at the Moorings, with- the, uh, all the ropes and the ladder oh, going up at the end there a, and coming down um, the rope again. They had a notepad uh, and they were taking down
1: numbers. Yeah. I guess their scanner wasn't working or something. I don't know. I beat it, so I didn't talk to them about it, unfortunately. <laughs> Fortunately.
2: Fortunately, not
3: on. <laughs> you didn't have to. That's awesome. That's awesome. problem. That was my that was my toughest one. I'll tell you what, that morning that was my toughest one. I, I did that. I tried that a couple different times
0: different ways and I was just like when I got it, I was like, that was like that hit home really well. I was like
1: ah. Yeah, there, I, I spent had a lot really of much time energy, there, but you get I after you completed uh, complete for a long a really while because lot I it. saw so many pro females there. And I was like, <laughs> Why what's going on? Like why are so many people failing this? So I was watching all of the techniques. Yeah. And then when I finally went, i got it on my first shot. And I was like, oh, okay. That wasn't as difficult as I thought it was, but I can understand why it was so difficult. So for the listeners, do you want
3: to go ahead and explain what that obstacle is? Yeah. Sure. Let's figure this out. It's a long rig, probably about a 20-yard long.
0: You had about, let's say, 12 ropes want to say 12 ropes down the line yeah about 12 ropes down the line and in the middle of those ropes there was a really nice fire hose and you had to go through that after the fire hose there was one longer rope with a knot on it so you kind of take a little bit of a break if you, if you got your feet on it the right way and then you did about another four or five ropes and you got to a rope ladder which hey, oh, that sounds easy but you know it's really not as easy as you think when it's swinging all over the place climb the rope ladder to a platform about 10 feet off the ground and then you got to grab a rope and slide down well I wouldn't necessarily slide down you want to burn your hands so go ahead rip them calluses off but you go straight down so the ropes themselves I mean it, this year with the races I've hit the ropes have varied in grip but these ropes definitely varied in grip for me I was grinding the first time I went ripped ripped through the first section before the fire hose and got to the fire hose and then for some reason, I just lost grip, and then the second time, I made it to the fire hose again, and then kind of tripped up, tripped myself up, figured out my mistake, and then the third one got through, got up uh, the ladder at the end, but a lot of people just looked at it, hit one or two ropes, and were like, all right, I'm out, and given their numbers up, I think at any, I'm not really the fastest runner, and I kind of take my time, my arms were already blown out from at that point, so... I took my time, got my arms back to where they should be. So I was watching a lot of people, and they were having they were having a lot of difficulty with that one. It, you know, last year I figured like Skull Valley was probably the hardest one out there, but I think this year between that and Tilted Tilt, uh, Boring's was uh, probably the
1: toughest for that, me. At least, I mean, and I'm usually pretty good on the rope, prob- but man, this one was really. Uh, a I've seen a lot of people fail on them. that. I saw. Was a there was one in see, particular but. where. She would consistently get to the second to last rope. She was there. She was up high. She had a good footing on it. And all she had to do was extend her leg out and get onto the knot, onto that last mm-hmm. rope before the rope ladder. And every time she's like, no, I can't. I can't. I'm like, you just have to extend your foot out. You yeah. have a solid grip on the rope. You know, pinched that the rope with your feet or as hook it as you bring your leg around before you bring your arm around or before you let go of the other rope like there are ways to do it and she's like no I can't I can't and she ended up giving up her band and there was another pro female that came through and again more of a notable name for pros and she comes up and she sees some of us she's like well what's going on and she's like oh, well, I'm going to give it like one or two tries and then I'm just going to go. I've already lost my band. And I turned to her, I'm like, no, at Indian Mud Run, you have up to five fails. You get ranked based on your fails. She looked at me kind of like, oh, I didn't know that. Uh, She ended up, I think, trying it once or twice and then ran off. Uh, It was very surprising to me how that one was taking out a lot of people for it. I looked
2: at it and I'm like, okay, lock your feet. On your ropes. That's going to be the most simple way to get across.
1: Get as high yeah. as you can onto it and lock your feet. You know, a lot of people didn't have enough rope under there to get a full gym yeah. hook on it. Definitely not enough rope for an S-hook. But you could still pinch the rope between your knees, between your feet. And you can mm-hmm. transition across that way. And that's how I ended up doing it. And just like you, I found that the rope ladder was the hardest part of it. And it was just because the rungs weren't locked in place. or um, There weren't knots stopping them from moving. So at one point, there was like a massive step as I went to go climb up to the top. And I just couldn't get my foot up. And
2: then, yeah, the jump to the last rope to get down yeah.
3: was quite interesting. That was a real that was something that was a mental that was a real uh, I like state of mind talk. But yeah, you really you look down
0: because you're high up there, you're about a good ten feet up in the air and the rope is just I mean, on average I'm not a tall guy. I'm only like five seven, maybe on a good day. And just reaching out you're kind of, it kind of messes with you. It's a, a similar kind of mind talk like Dragon's Back. Yeah, it's one of those things where, it was like, and a lot of people were like sitting down and reaching out. I think I even saw the video of Hubie sitting down and reaching out because it just seemed to be the easier thing. But yeah, it was once you came down that rope and you hit that ground, it was like, oh, I mean, I, this, this is the most I ever shook my arms out in any race. Like, even in the beginning of the race, I was just like doing it just, you know, a little bit of preventative maintenance to <laughs> sure I had enough circulation. And I get to that. More into With it. Was like, wow, that was all that was the
2: tough.
1: rigs that they yeah, had. It was in a, there was there. a lot going on in that one. I personally do not believe that right that there. was too many. I think the difficulty level was spot on and the number of rigs was spot on. These rigs were not impossible.
3: Yeah.
1: And even e- talking to Sid and David and Aaron. No, they they weren't. Any of their rigs, it's not about let's make this hard. It's let's make this challenging. But as long as you understand your technique behind it all, you can problem solve this. It's not going to be like, and I'm going to use that dreaded cheese board on Savage as an example. It's not going to be like that cheese board where, you know, whatever way you hit it, it's going to collapse in on you. And,
3: you know, you (laughs) just
1: kind of got to hope. And pray that whatever else, like there is very structured technique behind all of it. And no matter what iteration you're getting for any kind of rig, your strategy is going to change, but your technique will not. If you are swinging, you're going to keep swinging, whether it's forward, whether it's sideways, if you want to lock off, you're going to lock off. You, as long as you yeah. have your techniques figured out and your body, can transition between those techniques, you can beat
3: any obstacle at Indian mudra The good thing about this race was that, if you came up to an obstacle and you hung out long enough, you saw
0: someone succeed at it. And with that it being you know being successful at it, you watched that person, you were able to pick up a lot of. Like you said, you, maybe you had to tweak your technique a little bit, but you picked up a lot of confidence because you're like, okay, I could do that. I've done that on uh, other obstacles. I could do that. Um, so even similar to like the low rig, a lot of people don't have that middle rig transition with the nunchuck or the that one stirrup handle that they had in there or that key bar they had in there. But yeah, it's like anything else. When you get there. I watched a couple guys go through that. I know they're. They've been around, they're a lot better shape, a lot of better technique for me. When they were going through that mooring, I was like, okay, I'm going to do that, pinch my feet a little different, maybe go up a little higher, and then I'll be able to do it. And sure enough, I did. So it, this was a good race, like, especially for newer people who weren't as experienced maybe a year or so in, this is their first, second year, and they've never hit something with this amount of rigs. This was a good race for you. If you hung back a little bit and watched a few people. You could figure it out, so your strategy would change, maybe your grip would change, something. But you're right; if you kept that motion going, it would go with you. And get to the end. It was definitely, definitely good success rate, was a but enough race. of it a failure a rate. That it was something race. that you have to
3: work. I on, had
1: so. a couple of clients that came out, and you know, no matter what they failed or what they beat, they came off and said, "You know, I trusted myself. I I had this technique." They were really surprised with how they were able to maybe swing through the ninja rings or how far they were able to get on Skull Valley. I coached a couple of them through, Mm -hmm. I don't know what they call it, but it's pretty much just like the Force 5 rig that we've seen at City Challenge Race with the wheels and, you know, some T-bars. and um, I coached a couple of them through it and... They found that their oh yeah, yeah, was yeah. there they, you know, mm-hmm. I gave them a couple cues of, okay, when you get to this attachment, try using this grip, or, you know, really focus on swinging from your hips or whatever else."
2: And they were like, "Oh, oh, okay." And that was their first time seeing the rig. I think it might have been
3: uh, yeah, that I think came from probably, Battle Alliance. was that the one right know. there by the Maybe. festival area?
2: I don't know. I think I'm pretty sure it was a race ready obstacle
3: yeah it was, I think so. But yeah, that was uh, right there. But you're
0: right. It was if you coach people through that, I would have it is. it 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 really brings out how. Uh, this is the kind of race where you get to an obstacle and you get through it and you're like, yeah, I could do this. If there's anything about this race, you get through it, whether you're successful 100% or you miss a couple, this makes almost every other race look a little easier. You know, It's like, oh, that's all I got to do here? I've done worse. I've gone to Indian Mud Run. Oh, I got to swing from here to here? I've done, I've done crazier stuff. I went to Indian Mud Run. So, yeah, this is a this is a real high bar, you know, raises the bar higher, if you want to say that, when it comes to skill level. One of my and, clients uh, is from really, Ohio, uh, and she, and ha- she sprint, wasn't able to get like
1: to that, so. the Spartan Ohio, wasn't able to get to Savage Ohio. Obviously, those were in the same day, so if you couldn't make one, you couldn't make the other. But she has really only ran Spartans, and she's just getting into a competitive. So she's like, well, I wanted to run a race that's local so she signed up for indian mud run she She's like i have no idea what i got myself into i'm terrified so i took her through showed her a couple of the obstacles and techniques and after the race she came and found me and she's telling me all about how she surprised herself with so much of the obstacles and she's like so i'm getting ready to run barton michigan she's like am i gonna be like totally bored now i'm like yeah you're, you're going to look at Spartan Race
2: and go, like, what is this? This is so easy.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what? You're absolutely right. This is, it's like you get
0: so good, and you get to, like, these races. And like, oh, man, this is amazing. You go to Spartan. Uh, say you go to Spartan Sprint, and you're just like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's the letdown. You know, even though it's a you know bigger batter, you know the the big company, it's just like ah, what? it's like that's it. Wait, wasn't there supposed to be more? No, there's not. It's it's, it's not the way it goes. But that's the way the, that's the way the sport goes right now. So you got the you got the intense Indian so mud it's run. That's shame because Spartan the, you know, used
2: to have such a great Spartan. community Definitely. atmosphere, but it was so never it anything happened. like Indian yep.
3: mud run. No, and you know what? It's not. And Indian Mud Run is
0: like I think the hub of what what's amazing that's going to happen in the sport now because Indian Mud Run has spurred a lot of innovation. I mean, QB himself, absolute pioneer in our sport. Even though that one little race is what he has concentrated on and done the most with, he's affected so many other races around him. I'm not talking Spartan and uh, you know maybe a few other bigger races. I'm talking like what he's done for. Uh, guys like Aaron and Sid putting on battle Alliance, everything that Race Ready doing with Frontline, abominable race, stuff like that. And that's even going into places like Elvi at City Challenge. Those are the stuff, even like Highlander, Highlander Assault. And then he's affected them, and then they come in. Like, this race is almost like a world championship level or a feel to it. Because when you go into the world Championship, we've been both there, you see other races bring stuff in. And that's what this race was. It brought in other races from the OCR community to help out Scooby and help him build a bigger, better, more badass event. And that's what he did. And he had that, that just love from everybody, especially Aaron and Sid, Tom, Dave, all those guys who came in to help him out. That's what really made this race. I mean, he's done an insane job, but these guys brought that race. Where it's the 10th anniversary. They won 100 Oscars. I think they got 106. That's what I heard at the start line. There's 106 obstacles out there. But everybody worked together. And that's what made it. And stuff like this, this race is like a pretty much a hub of what's going to happen. Spurring on to bigger, better events. And I think this I race is so. actually like the, 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 the breakthrough event, which is going to spur on a whole other level. LV of from sports.
1: City Challenge Race was there. He had driven out the police car from City Challenge, he helped Hubie. Put on the race. He was there kind of just looking at Hubie as a mentor. Yeah. And in 2020, I was talking to Rob from Fit Challenge, and they were trying to put on the bucket list series where they were going to have a handful of races that they deemed the bucket list races. And they were going to have like a local race brand series where if you go out to all of these races... You get a metal that's shaped like a bucket, and then you get little, like, magnets that go into that bucket to say you went out to all of them. And I thought that was a phenomenal idea. Rob was going to go out in 2020, and he was going to help out at Indian Mud Run. He, unfortunately, we know there weren't, wasn't racing in 2020. 2021 came around, and that's where Battle of the Lions, Race Ready Obstacle, started coming out and helping with the build. You had the Highlander guys out there. You had the frontline guys out there. You saw a presence from more and more local races. And the way that I see everybody coming out and wanting to learn from Hubie, like he's the godfather of OCR in the U.S. He has taken these crazy ideas he has, and he has... Turn them yeah. into the, some of the most innovative obstacles we'll ever see, and the the best part of it all is he's not doing this to make money. He's not doing this to boost his own ego. He is doing this for his community, and the community is standing beside him. They are backing him. They are coming out. They are volunteering. Anywhere you go into the town of Kishakton on Indian Mud Run weekend, people are thanking you for coming out. They are asking where you're traveling from, how long you've been coming out to the race. They want to know more about you
2: because they are so appreciative of what this race does for that community.
3: Every place I hit, so I stay at a hotel down the street
0: from there, and the guy at the hotel, "Oh, you're here for the race." I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, cool. Maybe he just, maybe they said, hey, listen, we're going to have a maybe, You know, Hubie and his crew called up a couple of local hotels and tell them, hey, this weekend we're going to have some people around. But then I went to the Mexican restaurant downtown. Uh, got a couple of burritos, which are awesome. I don't even know how to pronounce the name. It had a huge name, but it was awesome. And even they, they saw it, like they saw us wearing like a race suit and they're like, oh, you're here for the race? Like, yeah. People at Tim Horton, the Sunday after when I drove home. Oh, how, you did the race yesterday? Yeah, I did. And People at Walmart. I went to a Walmart, and they're like, yeah, there's people like they knew what was going on, and it's funny because I'm here in the Lehigh Valley, and in the Lehigh Valley, Pennsylvania, the, one of the bigger races of any calendar is Palmerton, Barton, and I'll tell you what, people don't know about it, and we're, we're kind of a. I mean, it's not a, it's a huge area, but it kind of has a small, small town kind of feel in the Lehigh Valley. A lot of people heard about it, but they don't know how. Big it is. And that's the shame because that race could be a a huge event. I mean, granted, it's Spartan, but for like the community, it could be big. They could do stuff, they don't. Whereas Hubie and his community, Castocton's not a big town. I mean, you live up by Boston. I live right between New York City and Philadelphia. I grew up towards the New York City area. There's big areas. Castocton is not a big area, that is a small town. Really small town feel. Probably everybody knows each other. Everybody lives and works and knows each other. Gone to school with each other. They know Hubie. They know the Indian Mud Run. They know what's up at that old golf course that Hubie put together, because they're all part of that. And unfortunately, other races really don't have that. I mean, if you could go to other places. Oh, was there a race there? Or oh, I don't know anything about it. Or wait, what's that? I don't understand. Where? What? what why would that be there? This place, the whole town knows. About. And when the whole town knows about it, that's just the amazing feel. It's like, wow, this is something special. And you hope it's there next year and the year after, whether it's It's Indian Mud Run. It's funny that you mentioned the differences between
1: Indian Mud Run in the community and Palmerton in the community. I was definitely going to ask you about that because I think that is one of the biggest factors in Indian Mud Run. That's one of the, the best reasons to race this. You go out to Killington, and I think that might be one of the only Spartan races where the entire town is very much aware that Spartan is there, and that they really see a huge
3: boost in the economy because of the race. Well, yeah. you figure that race is it just before ski season, so exactly. actually, like, why is everybody coming to
0: town when there's no yeah, snow but on that's that's the Oh only yeah, there's time a race. No I wonder never everything's cool. Seen any but, location. Yeah,
3: and that, just, I can definitely but, agree with that. But yeah.
2: really, majority of OCR.
3: Where I'm located, I love it. it. It's awesome because I'm about an hour,
0: maybe an hour and a half away from like a ton of different races. But even Savage, we don't hear much about Savage. I mean, I know about Savage. The crew I know around here, people racing in Lehigh Valley know about Savage. But if you were to ask somebody, oh yeah, there's a there's a mud run, because people just know what we do as a mud run. There's a mud run up, at, up in Albright'sville at Skirmish Paintball. They know about Skirmish Paintball, but they don't know that happens there. And the people know that you could ski at Blue Mountain, but they don't realize in the middle of the summer, there's one of the biggest events in our community, OCR community, that goes on over there for a days. And it's the thing, because they can make this a bigger, better thing if they would just advertise and, and do some stuff, but they don't. Whereas Hubie and his crew. He's got the whole town behind him. He's got the whole county because that's not just in the town. That is in the county as well. And he has that whole the whole area knows the, what he does. And it's a shame because I can guarantee. You, I mean, you're you're right up there in Boston. Fenway does Barton. Barton does Fenway. I guarantee it. The kids at Boston University don't know as much about it as they do. The kids at Northeastern don't know it as much as they do. People go up there and they're like, oh. Oh yeah, we saw people like running around there last year, but they don't know what it is. Or if you go over there, oh, the locals know when you show up their hotel, you're running around, that and that's what makes it cool. You know, that's what makes it really good. And another lesson that other bigger brands could take from that is that let people know you're there, let companies know you're there, let brands, let the hotels know you're there, let the restaurants know you're there, and. You might get something better out of it. You'll get a better feel I've out of it. i always thought more. race
1: brands want. Want to reaching spread out teams. to,
3: want to spread the love of local
1: athletic with. teams to get volunteers. Hey, baseball team, you're out of season right now. Want to know mm-hmm. what a good off-season activity to stay fit is? Barton, if you guys want to come out and volunteer as a team, you can come and race free. Who knows? Maybe if it's, you know, if you come out to Fenway Park, you can, you know, get a box to hold your stuff or whatever else. And, like, why would they not reach out to, you know, local high schools or colleges or whatever
2: else and say, like, come try this, but, like, come volunteer.
3: Just be here. Oh, yes. support. Even as a team-building uh, aspect, where you have uh, all the local baseball
0: track and everybody else, all those other teams, say, in Philadelphia, in Queens, at City Field, around Notre Dame Stadium, around wherever, you know, uh, Dallas or the stadium races, you get all these teams that are around you, all the football, the baseball, the soccer, and all that. Say, hey, we'll help you out. You're a local team. We want to bring you in here. You bring the team in. Now, I'm not a team racer. I, I kind of like to go, alo- go it alone. But there are teams. You see them. And just, everybody knows these teams coming in. And they run as a group. Imagine seeing a bunch of teenage kids who've never done OCR coming off the football field, basketball court, baseball field, soccer field, all together, running through, say, Fenway Park, going through City Field, going through Citizens Bank Ball Park down in Philly. Just, you see this line of kids and a line of participants with all the same shirts, all the same uniforms on, just running. Team building, building the sport, building our sport, spreading it out, cross-pollinating other sports. That kid who plays football, baseball, who sits on the bench might jump in and be like, oh, man, this is awesome. I'm doing this again. And he could turn into the next Ryan Atkins. They could turn into the next, you know, Lindsay Webster, all that. You know, they could be it. But Martin Savage, all these other crews don't go out to the local communities and open themselves up to it. You're never going to get the next generation of OCR races. You know, it's up to us. Like I think we even said it there. We were talking at the middle uh, at the Indian Motor. Room. We, the middle of the pack, the people who've been here for a while, the people who have seen the changes in the sport. We're the ones bringing other people in. It's not necessarily our job, even though it is our job to bring and better the community with people that we bring in. I mean. My son and daughter have raced to races and I love it. They started with Spartan kids, and they've come up and done Savage and did Rugged Maniac and stuff, and I couldn't be more proud of them. But that's just me to my kids and maybe a couple of their friends. But it's up to the bigger brands to go out into the community, reach out to the teams, bring them in, and say, hey, this is something you could do to build yourself bigger, better, stronger, faster. Why not try it? But you don't see that. You, know, you see a couple of gyms. A handful of gyms, especially at the city races or the uh, stadium races, but you don't really see the teams like you did. I think. Do you remember a couple of years ago, Spartan did like a TV show kind of thing, and they had one of the school down here in Lehigh Valley, uh, Coopersburg had a wrestling team that did Palmerton. That was like part of one of their like little like they were you know a little little side piece. On the show, oh hey, we're gonna talk to this guy. He's a coach of the wrestling. You
1: know, that, that's what they need. to And do. I've seen that. He happen brought a whole at team up the and they kicked off. the last,
3: and that's what's supposed to be. Women's team
1: barreling yeah. down the double black diamond, and their sneakers. We were all thinking that we're gonna die because these ladies are just <laughs> flying down the hill. But they were out there as a team, and I applaud them for that. Just like. Running Indian Mud Run, I think one of the best and worst parts of Indian Mud Run is every year they send the 5K off while all of the competitive waves are out on the course. So as you get to something like Dragons back, the 5K racers are coming in during the competitive finishes. So we had a Mm -hmm. group of kids, they were probably high schoolers, and One of them was bragging about how great crocs are to run an obstacle course race. And he is jumping across dragon's back in crocs. And then, you know, (laughs) they're flying up the quarter pipe to uh, the water slide. (laughs) And you get into that water and there's, you know, there's a bunch of people that run the 5K and they're just having fun. It's like a party in the pond. And, you know, it gets hard to go over the cargo net and to go up the slip wall with oh, yeah. all of the people kind of goofing off on it. But to them, it's just, they're just out there having fun. And I applaud them for it. And it is fun. If you're like, hey, it's crunch time. I really have to finish this. My hands are completely torn up and it hurts to be in this water. You're like, hey, guys, please don't jump on top of me. But it's, again, one of the best and worst parts of it because. You're getting a lot of bottlenecking from the 5k racers who are kind of just like joking around, but then it's keeping the youthfulness in this sport. It's keeping it lighthearted. And mm-hmm. that's exactly what we need. We want people to continue to go out and
3: have fun with it all. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think one of the better things we have in this community and with this race, and especially in the modern, and a
0: handful of other races, there's no BS. There's no drama. It doesn't matter if you win. It doesn't matter if you lose. It doesn't matter if you really complete the obstacle, which is the point, but okay. But it doesn't – you don't have to be the winner, and you're not going to – nobody's going to lose. Nobody loses these races. Nobody realizes that, yeah, there is a last person who finishes up the court, but it's not a losing situation. You know, you're, you don't sit the bench in this. Everybody participates, but it's everybody gets out and does the same course as everybody else does, and you're there. But it's cool when you see a group of kids sit up on top of the Dragon's back and go, uh, uh, no, I, I can't do that. And, you know, people like us who've been on the Dragon's back for a couple of times, we're just like, boom, 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 bang right through it. And they're just like, holy cow, did you see that guy? Did you see that girl? That's the kind of joy we get out of it and kind of inspiring those people that, yes, you can do something like that. But I've said it so many times. I'm like, you know, there are people that you see at these races who are grudging up these mountains like Palmerton and Tillington and Tahoe. And they're like, oh, I can't believe I'm doing it. But the story you're going to have on Monday morning when you go to work, and you're limping into work, and your coworker goes, what happened to you? The story after that is so worth the effort. Because you could say, you'll never believe what I did. And you'll have pictures. And you'll have all that time. And I was showing people today at my job, I'm like, hey, you know, this is what I did on Saturday. So, like, you're nuts. I'm like, yeah, I'm 49 years old, and I'm still doing this stupid stuff like a 15-year-old. And they're just like, how do you do that? I can't do that. These are people 20 years younger than me. And I love just if that kind of spark gets into them to do something, to do a little better with themselves, to challenge themselves a little better. I love that. And when you get to a race like any mud run, you see somebody for the first time, do the rope. Jump over a wall, get through the destroyer. Destroyer doesn't look as hard until you're there, or get through 40 feet of monkey bars. It's like that's that pumps you up. Everybody gets pumped up for that, and that's one of the cool things about our community. You could be racing us against somebody, tooth and nail, but if you get through that obstacle and they get through that obstacle, you're more sometimes pumped up for your competitor to get through that obstacle, than you actually are for yourself because. Just that kind of feel, like man, that's awesome. If I ever see you get through something, I'm pumped up, and it's the same thing. It's just awesome. I just love that sort of feel. Hell yeah! And getting and people, with getting Indian young kids Mud Run, involved, getting I, everybody involved. I know this is how I've always felt. That's I know
1: Rachel Waters just made a post a couple of days ago about it as well, and so she was talking about how with Indian Mud Run. She was racing neck and neck with Chrissy McFarland, and Rachel said, you know, it's not about where I finish. It's about the people that I'm racing next to. And at Indian Mud Run in particular, I do not care who is in front of me, who's behind yeah. me. At one point I was crossing the large cargo net that you have to like crawl across over the ravine and the photographer says, oh, hey, you're like in the top 10 of women and I said honestly I don't care that I know there are women in front of me that have failures I don't have any it doesn't matter who's in front of me <laughs> or who's behind me I'm like I'm just racing this for me and it's like especially with Indian yeah. Mud Run I am the only person that matters out there to me I know what I want to do I know that I am never going to Stand on a podium out there. Yeah. But I am going to give everything I can and I'm going to fight through those obstacles. Because to me, keeping a band
2: is a hell of a lot more important than standing on a podium.
3: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, I'm glad you brought up that net because
0: one of the things about this race, and I, I, by no means is there not beautiful areas uh, at other races. But the one thing about this race, so we've talked about rigs, we've talked about the festival area, we've talked about certain other things and how hard stuff is. One of the crazy things about Indian Mud Runs, when you go out there, you're going through and you, you go run through a field and you come around and you come down a field again you get to the ninja rings and then you're out in the middle of this wooded area and you're traversing cliffs and I'm not talking like a little cliff that's maybe shoulder high. You have to climb rope up this 25, 30-foot cliff to get over. And then you're going through the woods, and then you've got to climb down that 20, 30-foot cliff. You have that net, and it's an iconic net oh, yeah. in yeah, all okay. sports that we have. It is huge. You come through this net, and the net's probably, what are you want to say, 100-foot long, maybe, give or take? It's a monster net. You can you fit 20 people on that, no problem, and everybody's comfortable. And it's over this, this crevasse in the earth. <laughs> it's like this, this, just this canyon. So you travel over that. You go down. You go into the canyon. And you're running up a stream. And it's like, this is something that was carved by nature over like hundreds of thousands of years. And you're climbing up these like natural steps that a creek is running through that... Probably could if it, if it flooded, it'd probably be about ten feet deep. But then you have got to crawl back up out of it, and then it, the terrain is so much different than even when you go to Killington, when you go to Palmerton, when you go to some of these other uh, heavily wooded areas. No,
1: no, I didn't do
0: you're much running. You're actually running in, I, I, not much running. I'll tell you that I didn't do much running. In but you're going through these you're going through these areas where you're in a creek. And you're deep in a creek. And the rock formations and anything, one slip, it'll hurt. Because these are obstacles. They probably don't even count. But after, let's see, over by the canal, when you come out of the canal and you're done with all those uh, cool water over water obstacles, and you come out, and then you go up that one creek, the walls on either side are 20-plus feet high, and you're going up, going up. Water's running down your feet. You're walking up. Uh, a a real body of water that flows, probably has flooded over uh, thousands and thousands of times. And you're just going up and you're like one slip and some jagged rock could stab me right in the rip one slip. And I'm getting definitely stitches out of this deal. And that's even a scary part. Forget the rig rigs kind of don't bite back. But when you're going through some of these areas in any mud run, you're like, Holy cow, I got to go over that. Or you go through the woods a little more wait, i got to climb up that rope. and The rope's really not that high, but then i got to traverse a telephone pole next to a cliff? How, is, how did they even get that telephone pole there? It's changed. Ladies and gentlemen, listen, picture this, a cliff, like you've seen in the Wiley e. Coyote movies and TV shows, right? But someone chained a telephone pole that you have to traverse across. So a full telephone pole on chains, and you've got to walk across it. And it's not like you're a couple inches off the ground. You're probably 10. 30 feet up in the air going across this. And Maybe I'm wrong It you feel 30 feet, but I'll tell you, it, that's one of the cooler things. All right, my name but when you're like huffing and puffing and you're just like, you look back, you're like, no way. It's cool. It's, it's one of the cooler obstacles, one of the cooler terrains. Because everybody, anybody could run through the woods. Anybody could run down uh, towpaths and... and down a steep slope where there's a double black diamond, and yeah, okay. Sometimes that Killington rocks get loose and kind of almost kill people, but this was like completely different. I've never been on any other race that you've gone up a natural structure, a natural like just uh, something like that that just is like, wow, this is amazing. And then you get to a rig, that's just even crazy. So yeah, it's, there's a whole, full, full gamut of stuff that happened at this race, and I think. Yeah, I think it's time maybe really we say what's gonna go on next. What are we doing? This race might not be there next year. You know, this this might not happen next year. Where do we go from there? Where is UB? Hubie? Hubie is stated he's retiring. This is it. The man is fifty seven years old and he's had enough. Is it up to the next generation of guys to come in and keep Indian Bud run running in Keshaka? Or are they gonna move it somewhere or are well, they gonna before
1: we give my thoughts you know, rally around Keep Let's this just alive. kind of update everybody on what is actually going on with Indian Mud Run. Two weeks ago, we had gotten a email with the wave times, and it said the final Indian Mud Run, and everybody started going, "Oh my gosh, what final Indian Mud Run? Why is why is this the first we're hearing about this?" And then people were coming in saying, "Oh no, they're just going to change the name because back around COVID time, Hubie did say." Well, I'm going to reach out to local Native American tribes and find out if, you know, the name Indian Mud Run is offensive to them and if they have any suggestions on what we should call it otherwise. He never got a response. There was never a problem with the name from the local tribes that part of Ohio is the Indian Valley. So it is very much representation of the local culture so it wasn't a name thing it's not that they are just changing the
2: name so we can put that rumor to bed Indian Mud Run is not just changing a name this was their final Indian Mud Run full stop Hubie
1: sat with me for a little bit and kind of told me what was happening. With the Parks and Rec Department, I am not going to put that out into the universe because I think some things, you know, don't need to be spread around. But he was just getting a lot of pushback from the Park and Rec Department with everything that he was doing. And he said, fine, I am just going to shut it down. I'm going to retire. He puts his blood, sweat, tears into this race. He is out there for months building and testing stuff out he runs community days out on the course he does a lot of stuff for the community and if he is not getting the respect that he feels he has earned he was just going to put an end to it him and his daughter do so much so he said fine i'm retiring
2: so indian mud run is done There is no more Indian Mud Run after this year.
1: Now, there will potentially be a race next year. I think it's very important that we emphasize that this will not be Indian Mud Run anymore. And I only say that because I think that, one, the name is going to change, and two, it is no longer a fundraiser. And by it no longer being a fundraiser, by it now being a private company, that has the potential to completely alter the community atmosphere of this race. And honestly, I'm kind of scared for it because now I think the Koshocton community will still come out and support. But instead of getting volunteers to come out because they're helping this fundraiser for the Parks and Rec Department, They're going to say, well, there's nothing really in it for us. You know, the Parks and Rec Department, they'll get their fee for hosting it. But ultimately, other people are making money off of it. It's not going to the Coshocton community. I think you'll still get a lot of community feel when you check into your hotel, when you eat at the restaurants. I think there's still going to be a lot of support for bringing a race. But... I don't think they're going to be physically coming up to the race and helping out to the same extent. And I hope I'm wrong.
3: Please, God, Kishokton, prove me wrong. You know, it's funny. Like we were saying before, we are saying before, that
0: this is not in a huge area. Whereas, like, you see a lot of these races, like we're talking about Killington as being an in inspector. But a lot of the races for every brand is somewhere near somewhat of a, a major metropolitan area. It's not a little bit bigger of a town. Because is really not near anything. I think the closest major city, if you want to call it, is Canton, which isn't even that big. And for the community to come out and help, it, it's, a, it's a big day for all of them. They know everybody knows about it. So I don't think maybe you'll... Lose a lot of people, but I think you're going to lose a little bit of the feel, which will in turn you'll lose people from that. You know, it, it just, but once something changes its name, changes ownership, there's a different vibe to it. And I think there will be a different vibe to the race next year, whether a bigger company comes in and takes it over, or maybe if something like where Aaron and Sid say, hey, guess what? This is going to be our race for next year. This is going to be our big championship race or something like that for next year. But it's still going to lose something because, let's face it, Hubie was the heart and soul of this, and Hubie is local. He is contractual. And for him to leave and have people from Illinois, you know, somewhere else in Ohio come in and run it, it's not going to quite have the same feel to it. It's going to be a little bit foreign for the people where you have something. Oh, you live around here? No, I'm from, you know, St. Louis. Oh, that doesn't count. You're not from here. So you're not going to get that vibe. I, don't, I, I hope it doesn't go that way. I hope it stays. I hope the vibe stays as intact as it is. But there'll be some kickback and there'll be some kind of, I don't know, Something will happen. But I hopefully it won't be much. I agree. It'll because from the sounds of it,
1: they are trying to keep as much authenticity Indian from Mud Indian field. Mud Run. They want to continue to buy the awards local from the local tribes. You know, they want to keep the obstacles, they want to keep the venue. I was talking to Hubie and he mentioned that he might still release a quote unquote finisher's shirt next year as a fundraiser solely for everybody to still have their name on the back of the shirt from this year, which I think would be amazing. And I would of course buy at least one,
2: probably more. Hey, if he wants to do it as a hoodie, I would pay even more for that.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what though. Hey, bring out you're bringing up a, an awesome
0: point about this race. Let's, let's throw another good thing about this race. One of the big things I was pumped up for sitting there in line on Friday night, waiting for waiting in line, getting my you know get my bib and everything, and I'm looking at the shirt going, wait, they, they have the name on the back, right? They have the name on the back. I know I'm on that. I got I got top ten last year. I know I'm on that. I get the shirt. First thing I do, flip it over. There was my name. I was
3: like,
0: oh, that was like one of those exciting things you don't get that at any other rate your name does not get on maybe a local 5k if you're lucky but no way you get anything in the ocr community where if you finish what is it top 15 in your age group your name your name goes on the shirt from for next year so that's that little thing that isn't much that isn't much but it 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 made the difference between having a
2: a, a good weekend and making it
3: a little better because of that But I think I think if that, say, next generation of builders
0: likes did, like Aaron, race-ready guys, the Battle of the Lions guys, all those guys come out, and let's say it stays in the same location. I think if you do change the name, you know, it, the Ohio Grand Championship or whatever they could come up with, who cares? If they have it at that location, they keep the integrity of how that race is run. Because let's face back, you've seen things in the past where, They've changed the name, but it's still kept up. And, of course, these things things before they change names, they changed management, everybody says it's going to be the same, and it's, oh, nothing's going to change, and then it just knows that. I think the people that will be replacing Hubie in this organization, even though they're not local, maybe there will be a couple local guys doing it, they know Hubie's ideas. They know his dreams and his vision for what goes on in this race. And I think they would hold that up and say, okay, Let's face facts. I will say this. Oh no, he's gonna be is retiring a but, but you know he'll be like kinda semester. nosing around
3: going, ah, maybe, Yeah, maybe you, yeah, really That guy's a beast, by the way. If anybody's ever seen you wanna talk about you
0: wanna talk about uh, aspirations? I'm forty nine. That guy's sixty seven. If you're listening to this and you don't know anything much about Indian Mud because we've been put pretty much in the Indian Mud bill, show, look him up because If you're a guy, I'm 49, if you're in your 40s, early 50s, and you're like, man, I don't think I got it anymore, look at that guy, because he's 67 years old, and I saw him thread through obstacles like a 22-year-old gymnast. I mean, just like pink, 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 like nobody's business. And granted, yeah, it's his rigs and it's his run, but for a guy that age to rip through it like he did, inspiration to everyone. Not only just the older guys, it's say the 40 and over guys, race. but anybody in OCR. He's like, at. yeah,
3: okay. I could still do that at 67. That's what you think about. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've seen him kill it at other places,
0: too. Like, hey, who here, be here. It's like, got to watch him because the guy's amazing. The guy's just truly amazing. It's not like he's been doing it since he was a kid because OCR has only been around for what? For the most 15 years now? Like, really good OCR, 15 years? This guy killed it it's amazing how he's just it's absolutely amazing absolute natural so
2: athlete. we've kind of gone off on a Naturally little tangent just,
1: but just bringing and, it back around it's, it's all okay that is what this is about but you 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 do yeah, to bring up so the next generation for i should have warned you because at this point <laughs> we don't know what it's going to be called but we know it is going to Be comprised of a combination of Sid from Battle of the Lions, Aaron from Race Ready Obstacles, David from Battle of the Lions is out there helping out. He's more on the admin side of everything. I think there's a couple other people on the build side that are the brains behind this all, but those guys are stepping up and they really want to turn this into something great. And I completely agree with Hubie, with Sid, with Aaron, with all of them that Indian Mud Run has that championship feel. This is harder than a championship. This should Mm -hmm. be classified as a championship. But a part of me is absolutely terrified to call this race a championship race. absolutely. And I'm going to say why. Because there is, again, we're going back to this community feel. This is a great race for... The community, they have a kids race. They have a 5K. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they have their open waves, but we know that Indian Mud Run is the pinnacle of competitive obstacle course racing. They run their competitive waves so well. This is the best race you will ever run. But when it comes to
2: competitive waves, this is the race you need to run. Yes.
3: You said it's for everybody. That is true because you could be a beginner. You could so be experienced like we are. You could,
1: you
0: could be anywhere in between. Bobby and Sue it's still an amazing Weber race. You're still going to have a blast. One
1: town over that says, I keep hearing these great things about this race in Coshocton. I really want to go and I want to run it next year. Now they go to sign up. Championship. Well, I'm not, I, I, I don't qualify for a championship. I can't run a championship. I've never run one of these in my life. Maybe they go and... Who knows? We don't know if they're going to change the distance. We don't know if they're going to get rid of a 5K. We don't know what exactly is going to happen with it. But if somebody sees championship attached to a race, instantly they're thinking, I'm not doing this to race, race. Like, I'm just going out to have fun. I just want to try it out. I don't belong in a championship race. It can be very intimidating for people. You might not get. Those guys racing in Crocs running up the quarter pipe next to you anymore you might not get the people goofing off at the top of the floating slip wall you know doing back flips into the water And as much as, yeah, us in the competitive waves would probably appreciate not having the bottlenecking, Mm -hmm. that's taking away a big part of that community feel. But also, if they are going into then having it as a championship race, there's got to be a lot of changes when it comes to the terrain and the accessibility to everything when you're in the woods. You can't have only two lanes of a monkey bar over water. You can't have only two lanes of a Tyro or have to wait in line to get across the telephone pole, you know, traversing the side of a cliff. If there's too much bottlenecking, you're losing that competitiveness. If you're asking the best of the best of the best racers to come out and run this quote-unquote championship, Who's to say you're not going to get somebody slamming their opponent into the rock face to try and beat them to, you know, that one rope out to get up to the telephone pole or to get up that hill or to get down the cliff? We don't know what that title of championship will do to that community Mm -hmm. vibe. It's now going to be a race race where you're you're not my friend you're my competitor and we all know indian mud run yes they might be competing against you but ultimately you want to see them succeed they're your friend and it's only about how well you do and
3: you know where you finish at the end of the day yeah i think if they if- that would be a good idea they don't use the word championship in any of the races
0: that they do there or anything in the future because you're right, it will take away uh, it will, will take away that fun vibe because, let's face it, it's so fun. Even the pros, listen, no, there, there's maybe one or two guys in the pro division who are actually making a living doing this. I don't think it's something where the sport is so huge and so big. I mean, look, we don't have the Tom Brady's. We don't have anything like that. We have regular people with regular jobs going out there and kind of, you know, spending money or not making money doing this. And that's what keeps it fun because 99.7% of the people on that court are there just to have a good time. They might call themselves elite. They might call themselves age group winners. But you know what? When it comes down to it, at the end of the day, they go back to their job on Monday. They go back to their family the next day. They just – they're just regular people. There's, there's no guy who goes back to his billion dollar, you know, mansion. Nothing. It's just, we just all go have a good time. We have a blast. We don't, you know, and that's what it's all about. And I think the way Aaron does his thing, Sid does his thing, and they'll keep that. They'll keep that community level, that fun level. There will. I mean, look, every sport has that competitiveness. There is. There just is. There's going to be guys who are going to be like, you know, tooth and nail against other people. But when it comes down to it, I'm stoked that some guy beat me by an hour. You know? <laughs> I'm just like, Oh, man, a guy beat me by an hour. That's awesome. I was talking to the fourth-place finisher in my age group. That guy's amazing. He's just like a good guy. I'm talking to him. And he's like, what time to do How fast to you do it? I'm like, dude, that was an hour quicker than me. He's like, yeah, I was moving. I'm like, that's awesome. I was pumped up for that guy. And I think that vibe will stay true because I think the people running it, like Aaron, like Sid, Um, and everybody else, and even, you know, Hubie's going to be there. Don't let him fool you. He'll be there, whether he's a paid employee or whatever he's doing, like he told you, he'll still be there, and he'll still keep that alive. And I I think um, with him somewhere involved and the guys around him, you know, whether they do put the word championship on there, and I think that'll scare newcomers, but it'll still be that same thing. And I'm really hoping that next year or somewhere in the next couple months we're like, hey, Guess what's coming back? Guess what'll be there? It'll we'll be called a different name, but it's going to still be the same thing. And, and it's going to be, we'll be going back out there. You'll be flying out on the driveway. I really hope like, so. Yeah. And we're going to make that happen. So that's what it's going to be all about, I think. For
1: I am year. too. I'm hoping. I'm talking to Aaron I'm and talking to. I'm still Sid excited. I'm still hopeful everybody. for the future of this race. I really the, they do have the some really great ideas. They really want to keep the authenticity of Indian Mud Run. Um, they they want to continue to keep this race alive in some way, shape, or form. Personally, I think, don't call it a championship, but, you know, I like the name Classic. If you want to keep the authenticity of Indian Mud Run, maybe you don't call there you it go. Indian Mud Run Classic, but... Find something that still embodies what Indian Mud Run was about and throw the name Classic on it. Try to still keep that classic Indian Mud Run vibe as you transition it into the next era of obstacle yeah. course racing. Because this isn't going to be just Battle of the Lines. This isn't going to be just Race Ready Obstacles. This is going to be a hybrid of multiple people. This is the brainchild of so many people coming together and doing something spectacular. So let's Kick off that new era with the embodiment yeah. of
2: what Indian Mud Run was in this new realm.
3: <laughs> and you know what the best thing? Uh, well, there's tons of best things. One of the good things about this
0: race, you know, one of the cool things about this is, and, and a, a huge shout out to Sid and Aaron, Dana, at Race Ready. They're amazing people. I absolutely love all of them. But they've gone around to other races and said, hey, we're here to help. Let's make it better. Um, Over here in the greater New York City metro area, there's City Talent. Only three races a year. LV does an amazing job. But this past year, he reached out to Sid and Aaron. And they came out last year to his final race in New York City. Sid came out this year for the Jersey City Race. Sid and Aaron are coming out. And Dana, Dana, you got to come out. Yeah, I see New York City. You got to come out. And they came out to uh, the Hoboken race. And if you've never done City Challenge, it's an awesome, awesome little event. It's, it's really cool. It, when you say cool stuff, you say, all oh, all of the Green Mountains and everything else that we see, the scenery, some of these races, you're literally right across the river from New York City. You see the skylines, you see the amazing things. What happened was Aaron and Sid came down and made the race better. And what they're doing is going to all these small regional events, battle alliance, frontline, abominable, strong as of all these guys and helping them and bringing them together. And that's what's amazing because I'm not, I'm not saying anything bad, but you don't see people from that big Spartan race system coming in and helping out the locals. No, but Aaron and Sid, did it. they come down, they help, they did what, they did amazing stuff at Indian Mudrun Run, and then they go and do amazing stuff at other smaller, Regional races all across the middle. I'll tell you, I would love to live in the Chicago area right now because there are a ton of good races out there. They've been killing it out there in, in the Midwest, down in the Southeast. That's going to be the future of our sport. What those guys are doing. So shout out to them. Shout out to the job they did at Indian Motor, because that was amazing
1: too. So just wanted to make sure I said that because I'll tell you what that. I definitely had be that conversation with Sid and, and with David. Um,
2: And I believe Everybody I also had it with
1: Eric when we were out there. And um actually, the first time I met Sid in person was out at City Challenge Race in Lowell, Mass, a few years ago. So Sid has been go- traveling around well before Battle of the Lions, and I talked to him about it, and he said that he will go out to any race brand that asks him to. The only thing he mm-hmm. requests or asks them is... Are they willing to work? Are they willing to put in the effort? If they are bringing him out for him to do all of the work and for him to put all of this time and this passion into it, he expects the exact yeah. same from those race directors
3: and everybody else putting it on. I love that so much. Yeah, no, that's, that's one of the greatest things. Uh, I, you know, in the beginning of the
0: sport, you didn't see that. But now it's I think this is this is a change, this is a turning point in our sport where guys like that, they're the future of the sport. You know, these big brands are awesome and we have a good time with them because you know, community is a community, whether you're at Spartan or whether you're at, you know, some local YMCA doing it. It doesn't matter. The community is a community. But when you have those guys coming in and doing what they're doing to help others, it it it's the way it, it's the hopefulness of the sports, the, future, the way the future could feel, and you just get this good vibe. It, it just brings everything together. What yes, definitely. Um, I won't, I
1: would not say that you don't see Spartan people I mean, going really out and helping locals. It. I have seen um, Spartan employees going out to local races around Massachusetts and elsewhere. I I do know of a few people that have worked with Spartan that do go out and support local brands, but it isn't at... To the same extent okay. that you are seeing with Aaron and Sid and David and everybody that went about putting on this race. Talking with Aaron and Sid, I did ask them their thoughts on yeah. keeping the five failures with Indian Mud Run. Because for me, that is my biggest concern. I think that is the best part of the, Okay, not the best part, but one of the best parts of this race. I know it's so hard to, like, not call everything the best. It's like, well, we love this, and we love this, and we love this. (laughs) But the way they have their five failure system system set up is hands down the best format for this sport, in my opinion. Even Even better than out in the Euros where you had the three bands and you had to finish...
0: Oh, I 100% agree.
1: I, I, I didn't look too deep in, like, if you finish with three versus two versus one, like, does that person finish first? But Indian Mud Run and their ranking system is definitely the most logical and well-thought-out way of addressing failures during mandatory obstacle completion. Because, again, nobody wants to see somebody drop their band early, then run straight through to the finish and hope that nobody else kept their band. We want to make everybody obstacle. We want to keep obstacles in this sport. So I talked to Aaron, and he said, well, you know me, I'm all about the obstacles. Like, okay, but does that mean you're keeping the five failures? And he's like, well, if it's up to me, it's 100% completion. So I don't know if they're going to keep the five failures. I strongly urge them. I hope and listeners, if you love the idea of keeping the failures in the ranking system in this sport, I would say continue to urge them and fight for it because I think it's something that we definitely need to keep around. But that's my biggest fear is they are going to drop the five failures in the ranking system and just go to all or nothing, one hundred percent completion. So
3: that is. That is one fear that I have. Yeah. Mandatory completion is a big thing. It really is. I, I, I mean, we're
0: going into obstacle course, right? I mean, you know, one of the things out at Indian Mud Run, uh, it said it right on the, right when you got your wristband, you got 100% It said uh, bands over burpees. And it's true. I mean, the band counts more, and I love it with Indian Mudderum, I love it with uh, OCR World Championships, the band is a big deal and you know you get to an obstacle, you're there for that obstacle, yeah there's running and there's a lot of other stuff, but the obstacle that's the first name in our sport obstacle course racing you're there for the obstacle, and if it's something where I'm a really great runner I can do all this, oh cool man, that's great but can you do that rig, can you do those rings, can you crawl under that barbed wire because that's all considered obstacles too you know, can you do that? Because that's what you're here for. You could run fast all you want, but if you can't complete that ring, that set of rings, those monkey bars, that, you know, uh, Tyrolean traverse or whatever you want to call it, that rope swing, whatever, what, you know, you're kind of missing the first part of the sport obstacle. So, you know, whether it's a five, one, two, keeping the bands or anything, I, I think doing the obstacle is one of the more important things. And, uh, yeah, if you could, I mean, if you got to sit there for an hour and you fail it, oh well. Get, you get penalized because you can't do it. That could be the penalty, you know. And you know, the way Indian Mudder Run does it, it, it really should be the standard that all others follow. If there's one thing, really. I mean, we say it like it just like goes with the whole best thing. If there's one thing anybody should set themselves up as, is scoring system at Indian Mudder Run is amazing. It's just perfect. You scan your bib. I've never seen a race where you scan a bib. You know, you're going we by the seen whether it, whether before you it or not because
3: well, it, he came up with it. Out, you be and one, five, one of his uh, stand, minions,
1: the I'll call him. I don't know. One of oh. his friends. They designed yeah. it and they put it into effect last year. So last year was their first time testing it out, and I think it's <laughs> still in the testing phase. They want to bring it to other races, and I think they should because, frankly, I'm pissed off seeing people without bands standing on top of podiums but at least at Indian Mud Run if you look at the amount of people that stood on the podium for their age group without a band it's like okay but they still beat the majority of their obstacles so it's you're not seeing empty podiums which is something we never want to see in this sport but then you're seeing people that were still truly tried their best and you know so they failed an obstacle or two obstacles they still were able to attempt everything give it their all and they beat more obstacles than anybody else and that is where i have respect we all know how i feel about savage and age group podiums when you don't have a band i think we need to make people Continue to obstacle at Savage Race. If you fail more than one obstacle, you should not be standing on a podium. Personally, if you're failing any, I
2: don't think so, but in the event they can't fill podiums, give it to the person
3: who failed the least obstacles. Sure. That makes sense. That makes more sense than anything. You know? It's not how fast you can do
0: burpees. That's for sure. I don't know. I get the whole, you know, it, it, this is an athletic adventure, basically, is what we're doing. But it's really what it comes down to is the obstacle for everything. So I mean, if it's a podium has everybody is missing, it, it you know had one uh, bad obstacle or, or had one obstacle failure, and everybody on the podium had one obstacle failure, I, I could understand that. But if it's like the winner is not going to be the one who's the fastest. The one who presents the most amount of skill, the best speed, the most, uh, you know, uh, obstacle readiness, everything. That's the person who wins. The person who got through the most. That's it. Not the person who ran the fastest. Oh, I got it done in an hour. Well, you didn't do any of the obstacles. Yeah, but I'm fastest. Okay, give them, give them the medal. No, that's not how it works. The person who does the best with the most, you know, and the obstacles are what, what's important. not your speed, the obstacles. Agreed. Well, options, we have been talking
1: you. for quite a Great. while at it's this not, point. They're not
0: on the podium. <laughs> hey, I am okay yeah. with that because I think that everything yeah we are we're going into Joe Rogan territory.
3: Said about Indian Mud Run.
1: I think I wanted to pay homage to this race brand, not just this year, but everything yeah, it's absolutely. done for the sport in its ten-year history. And I am so sad to see this race go. Um, leaving Coshocton was definitely a tough moment for me because I know we're not coming back
3: to the same race next year. If I can make one advice to everybody listening, you know, it's if you want to go to a race, go to a race.
0: Get up there. If you see a local brand and you're like, oh, you hear Frontline's great. You hear uh, Black Swamp, great. You hear uh, something else, somewhere other than the big ones that are like three times a weekend. Go to them. This is one of those races that might not come back. It might not be the same. And you, we've, if you haven't gotten there, you've missed it. And unfortunately, it's not. So I urge you to go to those races you want to go to because there not, might not be a next year for them. Who knows what might happen? And so unfortunately, if you miss this race, it, it's heartbreaking. But for the ones who have been there, yeah, the ones who have experienced it more than mind, once, twice, exactly or even just that one time, show you know how special it is. Because as
1: much here. as I love seeing people every single year right around Indian Mud Run commenting, "Oh, this is on my bucket list. Oh, I want to get there next year. Oh, I was gonna go this year, just didn't fit in my schedule." One, all you trifecta chasers, I see you hopping around the country going to run spartan or savage or tough mudder or insert race brand here i see you going and running the same race brand in every part of the country you can so no excuses Mm -hmm. that you weren't able to fit indian mud run into your schedule but also you're not going to run indian mud run next year to everybody saying i can't wait to run this next year you've missed your chance and this isn't hyperbolic it's very much Indian Mud Run is now gone. We don't know what it's going to look like, but it's not going to be Indian Mud Run. So for every single person sitting out here and saying, I want to run this, I want to run that, go do it. Our sport is struggling right now. Our locals need more support than anything else. The locals are what's going to keep this sport alive. If there is a race you want to run, Make it happen. You can sacrifice that Spartan race that you run
2: every single weekend. Or if you've been out to a specific venue. There'll
3: be one next weekend. You go to that one.
1: (laughs) Why would you go back when you could go to a different race, try out different obstacles? The sad truth is a lot of the races are dying. You now have Indian Mud Run is not coming back.
2: Next year is the end of Fit Challenge. We don't know what's going to happen with Bonefrog next yeah. year.
3: Yeah, oh, that, that breaks my heart. I have not this been up there yet.
1: We have to live in the now. We have to live with the mentality that this is the last year for every
2: single race. Go to the races you want to run now. Prioritize it now
3: because you might not get next year. Yeah, and if you get a chance, I mean, yeah, you know what? There's a good chance Spartan will be around for a, a lot longer. Tough Mudder will be
0: around for a lot longer. Savage is doing a hell of a race. But a guy down like there, down there in North Carolina, I think he's, he does a Dragon OCR. Go to his race. Go do his race. Go do go do Black Swamp. Go do Frontline. Go do uh, find a local one. Go to OCR Buddy and look in there, and he'll give you every small one. The guy up in New York, Obstacle Wonderland, and the Viking Challenge, and fit FIT. I wish I could go up to that one. I just have not been able to get to that. Those are the people who need your help. And those are the people who will benefit the most when you show up and you say, I came all the way from North Carolina to Rhode Island for F-A-T- FIT. I came all the way to Chicago from Pennsylvania to do frontline. That is so much more appreciated. And then you're going to go back and you're going to put it on your social media, that I went to that race. And you're going to spread the love that. Way. Guess what? i got a ton of trifectas up in my bedroom that are just sitting there. But i got two amazing, killer Indian Mudderon medals that are on the top. Those are the ones that count because those are the ones that gave me the most out of any one of those races. I love my trifectas. Don't get me wrong. But, man, let me tell you something. I'll trade them in in a heartbeat. Let me repeat that. I will trade all of them in for another Indian Mudder on next year because, guess what? That guy kicks ass. Scooby kicks ass. His crew kicks ass. And when you go out there, you see the love and the passion that man put into it. It is absolutely heartbreaking that right now, the we locals in are what's
3: going to save about this sport. No more the middle of anybody. the
1: pack racers, they're what's going to save this sport. But we have to stop only supporting the big brands. The big brands can hang around for a little bit longer. They're focused yeah. on pulling people off the couch, they're not focused on the middle of the pack. But the local brands, They are the ones that truly value those middle-of-the-pack racers. Hell, Rob at Fit, I'm pretty sure he knows the name of every single person who has ever crossed the start line at any of his races. You can walk up to Hubie during Indian Mud Run, and he will sit there and have conversations, and he will remember you every single time you go back. Same with, you know... Elvie, same with Sid, same with Aaron, same with the guys at Highlander, Frontline, Abominable, Julie from Phoenix Race. They all care about their community. You're not just a number. You're not just somebody they pulled off the couch. So we need to give them the exact same respect that they give us. We need to go out and we need to continue to support them because we don't
3: know how much longer they're going to be around. Yeah, this is de- definitely a wake-up call for everybody in the sport to say, hey, go support your local, because
0: guess what? Next year they might not be there. As epic of a race as this looks, I mean, truly epic. There are races out there, and this goes uh, across North America. There are races out there that need your support. So please look it up online, go to OCR Buddy, go to all the other media outlets that are out there for OCR, and find those local races and and, and see what you can find because. You know what? They might not be there next year, and that guy might be sitting there going, man, if I just get five more racers, ten more racers. When you go, bring your friends. Bring your kids. Bring everybody. Tell your wife, get off the couch. Let's go. Tell your husband, get off the couch. Let's go. Boyfriends, girlfriends, get your parents to do it. Everything. Just get them out there. Bring people to races, too. I felt bad because I was the only one going out in a, in a by myself to Indian Mud Run. I asked a bunch of people, you're going, you go going, you go," going. They couldn't go, and I was, like, kind of heartbroken. Nobody went with me, When I got out there and I saw who got out there and who was there, that meant a lot. (laughs) I could not agree more. Grab those people. Drag them off the couch. Just get them out there because it's a blast.
1: I am really excited to see what
0: Sid, Aaron, (laughs) and all guys do
2: with this
1: race next year. I'm really sad that it's not Indian Mud Run. I will say, though, Sid, Aaron, everybody, I would be completely happy if I never see another cargo net or rope Traverse of some sort, my legs are still completely burned up from all of the overly excessive
2: ropes and cargo nets galore.
3: Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, I didn't notice any of those. Really, have we had cargo nets. I appreciate net? oh, you cow. guys, though. Like, Do you like
0: cargo nets, kids. This a is a great review, of course. Hubie, thank you oh, for cow.
1: absolutely everything you have done for this community over your 10 years. We are sad to
2: see Indian Mud Run close this book, but we believe that the Indian Mud Run spirit will live on.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, thank you, Hubie. Thank you, all your volunteers, and everybody who came out to this race, because there's not
0: one person there. All the volunteers at every obstacle were amazing. And just you, you know, I saw Hubie at the end me and You saw Hubie when you were on the couch. We hanging out there. We were talking to him for a little bit. But after the race, he just said, thanks for coming. He said, thank you. Just thank you for coming. And I was like, that, that, was, that was it. He said, he said, thank you. Because you don't hear that from a lot of people. You don't really know who the race directors are or something. But every person he saw he had a smile on his face, Lift uh, your hands. Brian, thank, thank you for coming, for coming on that's today. Do you have thank
3: any plugs that everybody you want to give being
2: before we wrap up this excessively long night?
3: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, thank, thank you, Meg. I really appreciate it.
0: I know we've known each other for a little while, and I really appreciate it. I've been a big fan of the middle of the pack, and that's definitely where I land my ass every race. But... Uh, once again, my name is Brian Lynch. My handle on Instagram is lynch, underscore, BMX underscore, OCR. Uh, and I'd just like to thank everybody for coming out and thank the people who supporting me, like Quantum Design Lab. Race Ready Obstacles, Aaron and Danny, you're awesome. My man David at Barbarian Boot Camp. Metal Addict, Justin Manning, one of the best MCs. Oh, and by the way, I didn't even say Coach Payne was at IMR. So if you don't know who Coach Payne is, check him out too. And Work Out and Done. Hoplite, and, of course, OCR buddy. Thank you for all your support over the years. You guys have been amazing. I, I really appreciate it. Um, but thank you for everything. Thank you, Meg. No, no. Awesome. I, I love talking OCR. It's a passion. For I get
3: real worked up. up. And so you got to edit out some months, all of the stuff. We will again
1: in the future. Amazing. And to everybody listening. Anytime you need me, me, I am here for Instagram. you. I on Instagram. I haven't really talked about it here. So... I am trying to keep the podcast up and running. The remainder of the co-hosts have their life. has just gotten a little too hectic. So now I am doing this solo. So I am opening the podcast up to you guys. I have our Discord server where we record publicly open and come on in. Talk all things OCR with us. Drop your topics. And if there's something you really, really want to talk about, who knows? Maybe I'll be inviting you onto the podcast to have a chat with me. I will be looking to bring people on as we do this more and more. So hopefully we can keep this up and running for a bit. So go ahead, take a look at the links. I'll put it in the description of the episode as well as my in the Instagram, in the Facebook, the everything. So you will be able to find that Discord link right there. And obviously, we are on all of your favorite podcasting listening apps, so since you are obviously listening to us here. Um, so I won't run through all of those, but you can find us at Middle of the Pack Pod on Instagram, on Facebook. We don't use our Twitter, so don't worry about that. My name is Maggie BATC. I am the OCR trainer. Thank you guys so much for joining us this week on Middle of the Pack. We will catch you next time. Yeah. <laughs>